Chapter Twelve of The Girl Who Had Nothing. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Denise Nordell. The Girl Who Had Nothing by Mrs. C. N. Williamson. Chapter Twelve: A New Love and an Old Enemy. Now the thin line of the entering wedge of which Joan had hinted was well in, and after this day events moved swiftly the comtesse de merival and miss french were close friends violet opened her heart to joan and told her everything that was in it not a long list joan sympathized and advised she did so want dear violet to be happy she said for happiness was the best thing in the world and love was happiness she wanted her to have that the two girls were together constantly and this meant that joan soon began to see a good deal of sir justin wentworth quickly she diagnosed that he cared nothing for violet french except in a kindly protective affectionate way but that he had a deep regard for her father he would never try to free himself of the tacit understanding into which he had drifted as a boy if any change were to come the initiative must be taken and firmly taken by violet meanwhile two things were happening if violet was not precisely falling in love with villafora she was in love with the idea of him which was growing up in her mind and justin wentworth had discovered that he craved for something more in life than violet french could ever give him he had gone on contentedly enough for the several years during which he had definitely thought of the marriage there had been the boer war and then the interest of coming home to england and his beautiful old place in devonshire which he loved but now quite suddenly he had awakened to the fact that contentment is no better than desperate resignation and though he was hardly aware of it yet the awakening had come to him when looking into joan's eyes he would not confess to himself that he loved her but he thought that she was the most vivid creature he had ever met and he could not help realizing how curiously congenial they were in most of their thoughts often he seemed to feel what she was feeling without a word being spoken on either side and unconsciously he was jealous of the handsome spanish cousin with whom general french innocently suggested the comtesse would probably make a match joan on her part cared too much by this time to be able to see clearly where her own affairs were concerned she had begun the little comedy she was playing not for the sake of villafora but for her own with the deliberate intention of separating violet french from justin wentworth even though she might never come any nearer to him herself all the machinery which she had set going was running smoothly violet was fascinated by villafora was meeting him secretly and receiving notes from him he was determined to bring matters to a climax soon and was sure of his success general french played golf all day bridge half the night and suspected nothing nor apparently did any one else still joan was more miserable than she had ever been in her life far more miserable than when lady thorndyke had died without making a new will and left her penniless the girl saw herself at last as she was unscrupulous and adventurous living on her wits and the lack of wits in others she hated herself and worshipped more and more each day the honourable soldier from whom her own unworthiness if there were no other barrier must she felt put her irrevocably apart even as joan talked to violet of wentworth and villafora outwardly agreeing with the girl that the one was cold that it was the other who knew how to love her whole soul was in rebellion against itself he does not think of me at all she would repeat over and over again despite the secret voice of instinct which whispered a contradiction he doesn't think of me and even if he did he would only have to know half the truth to despise me as the vilest of women then one day there was a great scandal at the hotel the marquise villafora had run away with miss violet french in the comtesse de merival's motor-car which lately he had been learning to drive even joan was taken by surprise for she had not known that the thing was going to happen so soon she was actually able to tell the truth or something approaching the truth when she assured the father and the deserted fiance that she was innocent of complicity 
so candid were her beautiful wet eyes so tremulous her sweet voice and so pale the delicate oval of her cheeks that both men believed her and one of them was so happy in this sudden relief from the weight of a great burden that he could have sung aloud general french was far from happy but he determined that rather than give fuel to the scandal he would make the best of things as they were to this course he was partly persuaded by the counsels of justin wentworth villafora was undoubtedly what he pretended to be a spanish marquise of very ancient and honorable lineage though it would have taken many golden bricks to rebuild the family castle in spain the girl had gone with him and gone too far before the truth came out to be brought back with good grace therefore it were well to let her become the marquesa villafora quietly without useless ragings the thing joan had set herself to accomplish was done she had separated justin wentworth and violet french for ever and now the end had come she was hurt and sore and could hardly bear to see her own face in the glass for she imagined that it had grown hard and cruel that justin wentworth must find it so general french openly announced his daughter's marriage to the marquise villafora and told all inquirers that he was going to join her in madrid but justin wentworth would not of course accompany his old friend on such a mission he would set his face towards england and with this intention he said good-bye to the comtesse de merival this has hurt and shocked you too he said there is one thing i must say to you and it is this it is only for her father that i care i want her to be happy in her own way we did not suit each other i used sometimes to think not joan answered in a voice genuinely broken i used to be afraid that if you should ever marry you would not have been happy perhaps she wasn't the right one for you her eyes were downcast but the compelling power of love in the man's caught them up to his and held them i have known that she wasn't the right one for a long time he said i have known the right one and it is you i love you with all my heart i want you you are the one woman on earth for me i hadn't meant to say this now but i can't let you go out of my life i must do all i can to keep you always don't gasped joan don't it will kill me oh if you only knew how you would hate me nothing could make me hate you yes wait and then joan poured out the whole story not only of this last fraud but of all the frauds the story of her career he listened to the end without interrupting her once then at last when the strange tale was finished and the pale girl was silent from sheer exhaustion of the hopeless spirit tasting its punishment in purgatory he held out his arms poor little lonely girl he said how sorry i am for you how i want to comfort and take care of you all the rest of your life so that it may be clear and white as your true self would have it be and how glad i am that you're not a widowed comtesse she was in his arms still when a knock at the door roused them both from the first dream of real happiness the girl had ever known a servant brought a card she took it from the tray and read it out mechanically mr george gallon tell the gentleman she had begun before she could go further with her instructions george gallon himself entered the room well miss carthew he said i heard from an unexpected source that you were here swaggering about as the widow of a french comte i needed a little holiday so i ran out to see whether you were a greater success as a comtesse than you were as a typewriter in my office oh i beg your pardon you're not alone i'm afraid i may have surprised your friend with some disagreeable news not at all said justin wentworth calmly miss carthew has not only told me of that episode in her life but how it became necessary for her to take up the position of a typewriter your treatment of her seemed most incredible until i saw you no wonder it was necessary for miss carthew to adopt an alias if this is the sort of persecution she is subject to under her own name but in the future it will be different as lady wentworth she will be safe even from cads like you and though she is not yet my wife i'm thankful to say i have even now the right to protect her when do you intend to leave barretts mr gallon george opened his lips furiously but snapped then shut again then having paused to reflect he said i am here only for an hour i am going on to spain pray watch over your tongue in that hour returned wentworth 
then george gallon was gone i'll worship you all my life on my knees said joan i'm not worthy to touch your hand but i will be i will be a new self only the best of the old one that is all i want answered her lover the past is like a garment which you wore for protection against the storm but there will be no more storms after this because you have forgiven me because you believe in me cried joan you will make of me the woman you would have me the woman you really are or i would not have loved you he said and so it was that joan carthew's career ended and her life began end of chapter twelve recording by denise nordell modesto california end of the girl who had nothing by mrs c n williamson